grab your green Bibles. And let me encourage you, we are so blessed to be in a church that provides Bibles. But if you have your own, feel free to bring them along. I know that helps for me. So I write in mine and mm. underline and highlight. And so feel free, be encouraged to bring your own Bibles along each week if you'd like. BYOB. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Love it. Um, Okay, so Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and bitumen for water. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that they were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Thank you, Lucy. Didn't she read that so eloquently? You'll have to excuse my Aussie accent. It may not sound quite as precise as your English. (laughs) But it is a privilege to be here tonight. Thank you so much for having me. As we settle into the third um, part of our series on the four Gs. So in the first week, Tim brought us the series on gold. Um, Second week, Pat talked about grog or alcohol and challenged our drinking culture. Um, Next week, Tim will be speaking on girls or guys, but this week we're landing on glory. So uh, looking forward to bringing bringing that topic tonight and uh, bouncing around some ideas on glory. Who's been enjoying the sunshine this week? Anybody? I certainly have been. I love the sunshine and it's something in England, I do miss it a little bit, I must admit, miss the sun from Australia. But last year I had the privilege of travelling around Europe with my mum and my sister and um, they came over to visit and I was so looking forward to some sun. I was just so excited I was going to get some sunshine in Europe. So we went to Paris was our first destination and it was overcast and drizzly and then we went to Milan And we've got these great pictures just before it started raining outside the cathedral there. And then pictures of us with our faces like this, with our ponchos on. Unfortunately, it poured down with rain. But finally, we got to Florence. And Florence is such a beautiful city. It's got the big Duomo in the middle. And something that I loved being in Florence was actually learning about the history of the Medici family who... um, were a leading part of the Italian Renaissance, basically. So um, the Duomio, for those of you who don't know, um, a lot of you probably will, but um, his name was, the person that founded the Duomio, uh, that commissioned it, that financed it, his name was Cosimo di Dimici. Um, And what I love about the history of the Medicis is that they were actually Tuscan peasantry, and they worked their way up into the rich elite through the banking world and eventually came to rule Florence. Um, and there's actually a Netflix series that's been made on it, for those of you who might, may have seen it. Any girls in here Richard Madden fans? Any girls? 
Uh, he plays Cosmo Dimitri, uh, and it's a fascinating story of how they depict the history of Florence. Obviously, they've used a little bit of creative license there. Um, there's a little bit more drama, and it's not exactly historically accurate. There is a scene in one of the episodes where they're building the Duomo, and Lorenzo, who is Cosmo's youngest brother, says to Cosmo, with the war over, you might just have the resources to complete this, my brother. And Cosmo replies, and the Pope will finally have his tithes. It will honor God. Lorenzo challenges him, honor God or honor you? Cosmo replies, whatever I achieve honors God. But do we know that to actually be true today? I wonder if his achievements were indeed motivated by honoring God or by building the Medici Empire, which we so famously know today. In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, um, we hear, starting at verse 14, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Now listen carefully, Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It doesn't merely say, shine your light before others so that they may see your good deeds, so that they may only see your good deeds. It emphasizes and glorify your Father in heaven. See, gaining glory is all about what we get credit for. It could be our gifts. It could be part of our character, our generosity maybe. It could be our business nous or our political influence. Maybe how well we run a church. Herein lies the obstacle of ambition. Does even our well-intentioned ambition for success point to Jesus or does it point to us? That's something we've got to assess in our hearts today. C.S. Lewis um, talks about ambition in God in the Dock. I'll read what he's written. Ambition, we must be careful what we mean by it. If it means the desire to get ahead of other people, which is what I think it does mean, then it is bad. It is simply wanting to do things well. If it is simply wanting to do things well, then it is good. It isn't wrong for an actor to want to act his part as well as he possibly can, as well it could, let me start again. Is it wrong for an actor to want to act his part as well as it can possibly be acted? No, but the wish to have his name in bigger type than other actors is a bad one. It is perfectly reasonable to want to dance well or to look nice, but when the dominant wish is to dance better or look nicer than others, when you begin to feel that if others danced as well as you or looked as nice as you, that would take all the fun out of it, then you are going wrong. So ambition, is it good or is it evil? I'd like to suggest we look at ambition and giving God the glory within the context of the whole biblical narrative. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. So let's start with creation. Ambition. We were created in the image of God. Um, in Genesis 1.27, um, ambition is in the Latin 
Imagio Dei, and I've probably said that wrong. Someone can correct me later. But it's a theological term which applied uniquely to humans, which denotes the symbolic relationship between God and humanity. So if we are made in the image of God, we have a built-in drive to create, do we not? Isn't that ambition in itself? And God goes on to say in chapter 1, verse 28, be fruitful and multiply. Is there not ambition in those words? How could ambition, therefore, in the purest sense of creation, be evil? Well, that's before the fall. Author David Kinnaman puts it like this. Like work itself, I believe ambition was placed into humanity at creation and that it is an innately good part of what it means to be human. You see, we were given these gifts to glorify him. We were given gifts to use for our unique calling that no one else has been purposed to but you. Um, But unfortunately, we didn't remain there. We didn't remain in the garden. We then sinned and we have the fall. Thanks, Adam and Eve. (laughs) But now looking at the fall, what was the sin of the fall? It was power and selfishness. So in looking at Babel, uh, the Tower of Babel, in t- putting that into context, it was after the flood. So man had begun to multiply and thought of each other as better than each other. They, they all spoke the one language. They knew each other well. Um, they thought of themselves as superior. They used violence against their weaker neighbors. But the new generation of mankind was different. So after the flood, um, really, they lived for each other. They, they were part of only the one community. It seems Noah and his sons and grandsons, from what we observe, had learnt their lesson from the generation before, or had they? In what we read, it says, let us make a name for ourselves. They were, were building the tower. They'd confined, had they confined themselves to the, the unity of their community, I actually wonder what the world might look like today. But they overdid it. They let pride creep in. um, And their pride made them turn against God. So what did God do? God destroyed their arrogance and spread them across the nation. And I I don't know about you, but when we read these stories, especially when we're teaching them to kids in in Sunday school, we teach them to the children and, and we think, oh, that's a nice story. But then building a skyscraper back then... Was it real? Did it really happen? I'd like to take us to Genesis chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. These are the kind of um, verses where I always read, you know, when you, there's so many names and it's we re- reading the lineage and you're thinking, these are the chapters I'd love to skip over. I can't pronounce half the names anyway. What's the importance? But here... I was blown away when I realized what the importance was. Um, So let's read chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Now these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And unto them were were sons born after the flood. The sons of Japheth are Gomer, and Magog, and Madai, and Javan, and Tubal, and Meshash, and Tyrus. 
And then it goes on to name the sons of Gomer and the sons of Javan. Now, why is this relevant? Why, why am I telling you this? Two things we need to know about history. First of all, people in various areas in the ancient world often called themselves by the name of their most common ancestor. And secondly, they often called their city or their major ri river by that man's name. So when we look at the history books, um, naming Noah's 16 grandsons, God is actually deliberately leaving us ample evidence of his ultimate authority because historic historians can link those 16 names to different provinces and nations around us. So for example, isn't that amazing? For example, the first of Noah's grandsons mentioned is Gomer. And again, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Ezekiel 38 locates the early descendants of Gomer, um, along with Togoma, I think you say it, a son of Gomer, in the north quarters, which as we know is modern Turkey now, and in the New Testament was what we called Galatia. Jewish historian Flavius Joseph, Josephus sorry, records that people who were Galatians or Gauls in his day, about 100 years AD, were previously called the Gomorites. They migrated westward, westward, which is now France and Spain. And how do we know that? Because for many centuries, France was called Gaul. Isn't that incredible? After the descendants of Goma. Northwest Spain is still called Galatia to this day. And some of the Gomorites migrated further to what we now know is Wales. Through, uh, we find that out through a historian called Davis. Um, their, their Welsh language is actually called Gomereg. Isn't that incredible? It goes back to Genesis 10. Uh, another grandson whose lineage is detailed is Javan. And the Hebrew, this is the Hebrew word or the Hebrew name for Greece. So in Daniel chapter 8... Um, Daniel refers to the king of Grecia, and this literally translates to the king of Javan. Um, it's mentioned about five times in the Old Testament. M Meshesh, the name of the next grandson, is the ancient name for Moscow, and so on and so forth. I could go through all of them, but we don't have time. What this pointed out to me was that actually, in today's world, we're living with the scattered nations. We are living with the consequences of God destroying their ambition because they wanted to give glory to themselves and make a name for themselves and not glorify God. Isn't that amazing? I wonder what the world might have been like. Our lives are full of our own examples of giving glory to something, to someone. I know in my, my own world, I have to be so careful where I give the glory to because I've got a background in coaching so life coaching is all about being ambitious. You know, you're driven, you make things happen. If you're not happy with something, you change something, you move forward. Um, but do, we give, do I give glory to God for that? And do I allow God to lead me in that? Last year, I, I was humbled because I was nannying at the time and I was looking to stay in England knowing that my visa was expiring soon. And so I applied for so many different jobs, all of which I felt I was really qualified for. And I only got one interview. And that interview was for a job that was only going to last three months and not provide a visa. So um, I, I then applied for the job I have now, children's pastor here at St. Bionics. 
And I was really praying about it. I was like, God, if you want me in England, this is my last chance. I got an email after I'd submitted my application to say, I'm really sorry, but we didn't shortlist you for the position. So I was like, okay, God, your will be done. There's nothing more I can do. Yet five days later, Tim called me. Um, was, so the email was sent on the Monday. I got a call on the Friday. Um, Jackie was there with me, actually. And uh, I'll never forget it. He said, there's just something tugging on our hearts. We feel like the Holy Spirit saying, we didn't give you a fair go, and we'd love to have a conversation with you. It's not an interview. It's just a conversation. But after that conversation, I had the interview, and then the job came with a religious visa attached that allows me to stay for another three years. Amen? But what God had to do was strip me of every single thing I could possibly um, have done to do it in my power. Because it wasn't about me. It wasn't saying, yes, I made this job happen. No, God, I'm sure, ordained that specifically so that he had to show me that me staying in this country was his idea and that I needed to give him the glory. So hallelujah. Power. Power is another, um, I guess, symptom of ambition sometimes. Um, that's we've seen in the story of Samson and in Saul with David. Again, we don't have time to go into that. But sometimes we go after something bigger in our lives because we're not content with what God's given us. We're not content with what he's entrusted us with. I don't know if you've heard of the fable of the dog that's carrying along a big piece of meat in his mouth and he goes on a walk and he crosses a bridge and he looks down at himself and his reflection in the water in a brook. He doesn't realize it's his reflection. He thinks it's a dog that's so much bigger and he sees a piece of meat that is bigger than the piece of meat he's got in his mouth. So he lets go of the food that he has to attack this dog and loses what he's already got. And of course doesn't attain what he thinks he will. Doesn't power sometimes get in the way of God's work in our lives? Friendly banter at work can turn into a power struggle when the vice presidency becomes a competition between you and your colleagues. Pride creeps up. It's fine to seek to do more for Jesus, but obtaining a position for the sake of position, for the sake of occupying it, may not be where he wants you. Jesus teaches us that to be the greatest of all is to become the least of all. It's an incredible paradox, and this must have been an intense conversation. We recall it in the Gospels when the disciples always have, you know, this, this bickering. Who is the greatest, Lord? Who's your favorite? Who do you love more? It's actually recorded in all four Gospels, so it must have been intense must have been important. But God teaches us that humbling ourselves is what makes us great. Um, ben, who shared last week, I think it was last week or the week before, um, Ben Jones, who works in insurance, often comes along to the five, faithfully served on the kids' team this morning. He shared of his experience of using the position that God has given him in his workplace now to influence his colleagues for God's kingdom. See, he'd been inviting them along to Alpha, and they kept saying no, 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 no. So he decided he'd change the game. 
he decided he was going to download the videos and he was going to run Alpha in his lunch break. Isn't that amazing? And he got eight people to say yes. His testimony last week was amazing. So now he's using his position in his company to be an influence for God's kingdom. So my question is, what is in your hands? What has God given you to use for his glory? Who is it that you think of when we talk about humility? Who, who, is, who is that humble person that you can keep yourself accountable to? Can we say that about our own lives? Are we cultivating our heart towards Jesus? Do we spend time with him in his word? Hello? Like, do we spend time pouring over his word? Because the more we spend time cultivating our heart towards Jesus, the more we'll understand his humility in what he did at the cross. So this is where we bring ambition to the story of redemption. If we can open up Philippians at chapter 2. Again, to give us some context, uh, sorry, the page number is 1,114 in your green Bibles. <laughs> 1,114, chapter 2. So some context, Paul writes this letter to the people of Philippi from a Roman prison. Um, and despite his situation, Paul is still, he's still holding on to his mission. He's still holding on to his purpose and his ambition for the glory of God. I wonder what situation we're using today as an excuse not to be active for his kingdom. I'm too miserable. I'm going through some personal pain. I've lost somebody. I'm broke. I've got kids. I can't. The adventure camp I used to work at in Australia, we had to do 10 push-ups whenever we used the words, I can't, because there's no such thing as I can't. It's I choose not to. It's a choice. Giving glory to God is a choice. We choose to or we choose not to. But just like our actions, we choose to or we choose not to. Sometimes we come up with excuses. One of my um, great mentors from afar, um, she's a speaker from Australia, Christine Kane. Some of you may have heard of her. She's the founder of A21, um, anti-human trafficking organization, just like um, IJM that we support here. I'll never forget the story that she told once of when she was a youth leader in Australia. And um, she was doing a lot for her church. And people said to her, wow, well, it's okay for you because you're not married. So you've, you, you've got all the time in the world. And then she got married and they said, well, it's okay for you because you don't have kids. And then she, she, a couple of years later, she did have a child. And then everyone said, oh, but it's okay for you to be doing all these things for God's kingdom. You've only got one. And now she's, um, she's founded A21, is still speaking around the world to bring glory to God for his kingdom, to grow his kingdom, seeing souls saved. She's got two children now um, and does it amazingly. And I hope if I'm ever given the privilege and challenge of marriage, because I'm aware it's a reality of both, um, that 
that means yet another adventure that God's going to take me on. It's not about settling down. In fact, those words make me feel uncomfortable. What does that mean? I'm disabled now that I've got a family? It doesn't mean that I can't still contribute. Um, I hope to still be changing the world for Jesus' name and teaching my kids to do the same in the process. My mum did that. She was an excellent example. We used to go to Brunswick Street, which is a very alternative place in Melbourne, for those of you who've ever been. Um, that's where you'll see the punks and the people with the piercings and um, transgendered people. Very alternative place. And she used to take us there when we were kids and we'd have ice cream and we'd sit among these alternative people in this alternative community. And she'd say, you know that person over there? God loves them just as much as he loves you. It taught me to humble myself and see through the eyes of Jesus. I love it, hearing stories of when people are using their families to, to grow the kingdom. Look at the verities. A lot of you are in, um, or a bunch of you, are in their life group. They've got children, yet they're opening up their home to impact the next generation. Anyway, back to Paul. I got sidetracked. Back to Paul. So, chapter 2, the redemption of ambition. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete in being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. See, Christ calls us into being a community. As his disciples, he calls us into selflessness, not putting ourselves before other people. That's where the people at Babel went wrong. In your relationships with one another, one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance, the being there, the word, the, there's a Greek verb that's used there um, before it was translated into the English. And it means, it's, I'm not sure if I'm saying it correctly, but it's huparchian is the Greek verb for being there. And it means his very essence is not changed. So his very essence is not changed. And being found in appearance, and the, the word there for appearance, again in the Greek, is morph. Um, and that means the essence of God that never alters. So we've got this man who's humbled himself by becoming, by be, but the, this God humbled himself by becoming man incredible. As a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to death, even on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And at that name, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Let's listen again, verse 9. Therefore, this is a key word. Therefore, God exalted him. So because he was humbled, he was exalted. 
Because he took the cross, that's why we should give him the praise. That's why glory should be going to him, not coming to us. None of our effort could ever take what he did for us on the cross. Jesus didn't insist on deity, but he emptied himself for us. Isn't that incredible? Always blown away by it. Paul is explaining to the people of Philippi that to be effective for God's kingdom, they need to be unified and live a selfish life. Selfless life, not a selfish one. Selfless. <laughs> Isn't being humbled and ambition a, a paradox, though? That it's, there's so many paradoxes in this book. It's amazing. Our mind boggles. But should we have small ambition because that's what it means to be humble? Do we not serve a big God? Your ambitions should be big. He does say in Ephesians that he wants us to dream so large because he's going to do everything more than we could dream or imagine. I certainly never imagined when I got employed as a children's worker here that I'd be standing here tonight. Um, but it's not about me. It's about giving glory to our Lord. Ambition doesn't die with Christ. It's redeemed in Christ. Ambition is restored by his death. Are you grabbing a hold of this? I hope that there's something in your heart that's beating, that God is teaching you something, um, that God is showing you, revealing to you what it is that he has purposed for you. Paul goes on in, in chapter 3 um, to talk about taking hold of the things that he has called you to. Humility is how ambition can be harnessed to God's glory. So how can we stay focused? We keep our eyes on Jesus. Head down, running, running, running. We've got to run that race. Laura, um, Laura prayed a prophetic prayer for us a couple of weeks ago. It was about getting into the arena. We need to get into the arena of life, but we need to play that game for Jesus. Um, yeah, we just need, we need to play it for Jesus. We need to focus on Jesus. So we're running, we're running, we're running, keeping our eyes focused on Jesus, focused on Jesus. You look up, you're told at work that you have to put two people off, but you're aware you get such a big bonus at the end of the year. Focus on Jesus, focus on Jesus. You're aware that if you redo some numbers, you might not get that bonus, but you'll save the job of that one person. Amen? Head down. Focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Keep running. Focus on Jesus. Promotion comes up at work. Fantastic. Praise God. More money to spend on useless things. Not always. But it means less hours, and it means you won't get home until late at night constantly. It means you, your partner will only see you on the weekend. Head down, focus on Jesus, focus on Jesus. You tell the boss, no thank you. I'm okay where I am because I value my family time. He goes home that weekend, has a conversation with or an argument with his wife because his wife never sees him. Next time you invite him to Alpha, he comes along. He gets to know the love of Christ. Head down, focus on Jesus, focus on Jesus. Look up. That guy looks pretty nice. He's pretty stylish. Nice eyes, lovely smile. Doesn't go to church. 
what temptations might that bring along if we don't if we don't concentrate on God? Will that relationship glorify him? Head down, focus on Jesus, focus on Jesus. Are you getting this? Yeah? Are you getting this? I'm going to invite the musicians back as I as I wrap up here. We're landing on restoration. So we've got creation, the fall, we've got redemption, and now ambition is redeemed, uh, restored through Jesus. He is the promise of things to come. Like Laura's prayer a couple of weeks ago, we need to play the game for Jesus, but he's already won, he's already been defeated. We're just asked to run our race for him. I love the excerpt from the speech, Citizenship in a Republic, called The Man in the Arena by Theodore Roosevelt. Let me read that out for you. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls that neither know victory or defeat. By the end of his life, Cosimo Dimitri, that we mentioned at the beginning, was seen as the hero of Florence. Glory went to the Medici Empire, not necessarily to God. But thankfully, we're not the hero in our story. Jesus is. You see, we must get in that arena. We must have ambition because the story's not over yet. God is. God was, God is, but God is yet to come. See, heaven lives in us. Heaven lives in us now. But we're in kingdom now and kingdom not yet. The story's not finished. Our story's not finished. So before we respond tonight, um, let's worship for a few minutes, guys. Um, and let's give him glory um, as we, we ponder on the one who is greater, greater than Greater than all things. Let's stand together saying how great is your love. How great is your love never gives up on me. Stronger than shame carries me
worshipping um, but we just wanted to give you all an opportunity to respond to what Georgia has said what the Lord has been saying this evening um, so just felt the Lord kind of nudging us in in this direction maybe um, one or two groups that you might feel you fall into um, firstly those who, who particularly professionally might be feeling a bit like you've lost yourself and you need the Lord to redeem your ambition to remind you of what ambition in him looks like um, secondly, if perhaps you're just wondering, actually, what does it mean to be humble? And, and just asking the Lord, what does humility look like in my life? Um, but there also may be those of you who actually don't really know what you should be ambitious in. What, what do I want to grow in? What do I want to step into? What do I want to challenge myself in? Um, so we'd love to pray with you if that's you um, or if there's anything else that you'd like prayer for. We've got... Um, life group leaders or welcome team uh, uh, just do come forward just be available to pray um, and yeah this space is for you we've got loads of time um, so we're going to keep worshipping keep responding keep pressing into what the Lord has said um, don't let this opportunity pass you by uh, to respond and to actually leave changed so we're going to continue in worship but yeah ambition humility these are huge things so do come and and engage and uh, and seek God. Ask God what He wants to say to you tonight. Lift 
You are. 
in this battle between uh, glorifying him uh, and holding the glory for ourselves. Uh, yeah, so just really feel like God's saying, um, what are you fearful of and, and where are you seeking your glory? Um, so I, I think for me, I'm, I'm massively concerned about what people think about me um, when I go to work. They, they think I'm a good player, they think I'm being funny or, or what. And, uh, and actually that comes from a place of me being fearful of them. And if that goes well, I'm going to get glory from them. And, uh, and actually, like, later on in Philippians 2, um, we're told to approach God with fear and trembling in our hearts. And, and, and the reason we do that is because he's worthy, um, and, and the glory is actually his. And uh, in Matthew 28, when Jesus sends out the disciples, uh, he says, go and, and make disciples of the nations. He doesn't say, like, go and and like try maybe and, and be really polite about it because they might be offended by the fact that they're a sinner and they need the love of Jesus to come to their life. And uh, so I just want to encourage you, um, don't be fearful of the world. Um, be a righteous fear of, of the Lord our God um, because, because he's, he's, he's a fire, he's an all-consuming fire and, and it's right that we are fearful of him and it's right that we hold him in glory. Um, and if we start to do that, then we'll start to not hold ourselves in glory anymore. Um, so if you'd like to grab that, obviously, please come forward. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Do, and it's so powerful. The fear of God is an awesome thing. And 
for anyone here who wants to fear God in a new and a different way, in a way that sees them draw closer into that all-embracing relationship, we would love to pray for you. So do keep pressing in that uh, one word that Pat brought last week of the bar presence. How long are we willing to wait just to get a drink? Keep pressing into God. Keep pressing into what he has for each and every one of you tonight as we continue to worship and praise. really feel from God that um, there's an invitation that he is giving out tonight. 
George has said, we have a choice. We can either choose to accept it or to say, I'm good, thanks. And to declare that he is good when everything around us might not be good is bold and it's brave, but it's true. And he never lets us down. He never, ever, ever lets us down. And if nothing else, we've got the beauty of the cross to show us that. So Father, we stand here before you, wanting to participate, Lord. Not to watch everything going on, but to be part of what you're doing. Help us, God. We can't do it on our own. We can't do this in our own strength, Lord. We need you. Sing together again. You are good. You are good. just sing verse 2 again which says let the king of my heart be the wind inside my sails the anchor in the waves and he is my song let the king of my heart be the fire inside my veins the echo of my days he is my song let the king of my heart be the wind inside my sails the anchor in Let the king of my heart be the fire inside my veins, the echo of my days, oh, he is my song. Let the king, let the king of my heart be the wind inside my sails, the anchor in the waves, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the fire inside my veins, the echo
Jesus, we love you.
just wanted to give a little bit of time uh, to those of you, if there are any of you who wanted to just come and share what God's been doing in your life. We, uh, there's a bit in scripture that says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their stories. And it's so encouraging when we hear what God is doing in each other's lives. So we just wanted to create some space. The band's going to continue to pray. Um, do just come up. I'll just be down here. So if you want to just come and come and share, like could be something this week or this month or this year, just something where you just really feel like the Lord has moved. Um, maybe you've seen a change in your life or just, just a, a, a testimony to the goodness of God. We just want to create that space just before we come into land um, to the end of the service. So uh, do come on up if that's something you'd like to share.
um, slightly visiting, so I'm Kat, um, friends with a few of these guys. So, um, But yeah, I just wanted to encourage you, lately I've just gone through a season of a lot of change and a lot of transition. Um, sometimes those things come upon us when we least expect them and sometimes it's by choice but it's by listening to the voice of God and obedience and I just wanted to encourage anyone who's in that season if you're actually in that place you're kind of um, the now and not yet is kind of the biblical kind of tense of it you know just you're not sure what's going to happen next but I just um, I in this season have experienced some of my greatest heights and my greatest lows but I've actually realized that um, God can give you that peace beyond all understanding and I just you know in Matthew it says about do not worry do not worry about you what you eat and what you drink and just to encourage someone like God said to me today um, Kat I love the sparrows and I was like that's cool and he's like but that's how much I love you like I look at a sparrow and he's like you know maybe gone the next day or whatever but God has really got his eye on you like he really has his eye on you and your plan for your life and um, actually this is the first season I've walked such a um, interesting journey that had the peace that surpasses all understanding and I just want to pray that over you that whether you have um, in the past had problems of anxiety I believe tonight that will break off of you the chains that as God's word is spoken you can be healed just like that and um, as I pray just really just ask God to to come into your heart and if you've got walls that you put up because you're you're okay you're a coper you like to um, make everything right you like to fix it if you need to let stuff go just please let it go like I am a real problem solver and in this season I thought you know what I'm just going to see what would happen if I just slept a little bit more and didn't push so hard and let God do it I haven't had my breakthrough yet but I've had it in my everyday but I haven't had my answer like exactly just yet but I actually have a peace I sleep so well and I don't have anxiety and I have so much peace that it's actually miraculous and I just want to share that and impart that to you because I know it's from God and we are the people of God we're not like the average person there's nothing average about you you're extraordinary you are game changers you're going to walk into work tomorrow with authority with your head held high any lies that you have from the enemy you're just going to rebuke them because you can and so just let me pray for you and um, I just believe God's going to heal you tonight so Jesus I thank you so much that you are here Father, we thank you that we have the safety of this space to open your word, to read it, to receive it, that we can read it as much as we like in this country, and we are, we are going to be safe doing it. And Lord, I pray that we will just embrace that opportunity, God, that while these days are as they are, that we can just read your word and just um, yeah, line our hearts and our minds and our everything with you. And Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus that your presence would fall in this place. I just come against anxiety in the name of Jesus, and it will flee from this place. You have no place in the hearts of these people. I thank you, God, that these are a people of, of you, a people who love you or are on a journey of finding you. And I thank you that they will change the world with your face, Jesus. And I just pray that for sleep like people have never had before. And these will be a people who are restored, Lord. That yeah, restorative ambition, God, will just be in their hearts, Lord. I pray that um, you would just take away all fear and all doubt. And I just ask for the people that speak doubt into their lives, you would remove them or just step them aside for now, God. And that you would, um, yeah, let your people be secure and head down, Jesus. Head down, Jesus. Head down, Jesus. Look up, head down, Jesus. Lord, we'll be those people. I just pray for healing, deep healing, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. service there but feel free to keep praying and worshiping if you'd like to but I'm just going to pray to close uh, as a whole
bunch of people who head off to the White Horse just over the green if you want to go and grab a drink. Um, but it's been great to see you all here, so I'm just going to pray to close. God, we thank you so much for your goodness, your kindness in meeting us here tonight. And we ask, Lord, that everything we've learned, everything you've said to us, um, everything that we have uh, engaged with, Lord, would um, just go with us into this week and beyond, Lord, that we wouldn't forget what you've done here tonight, Father. We thank you so much for this church. We thank you for this community. We pray your blessing uh, over every person here. In your name, Jesus. Amen.
Guys,
Guys, if we could help pack some chairs, that would be amazing. Otherwise, Pam will have to do it all on her own. And she's quite keen for that, but... So yeah, pack some chairs, please, thank you. This heart that is now yours You can have it all, Lord Every part of my world Take this life and breathe, Lord This heart that is now So 